All right. That's good. I found out this week while I'm preaching this series, while God wanted me to preach this series, I don't know if you've seen the study, but Montgomery, Alabama was rated the most unhappy city in America. I knew we were the fattest city, but I didn't know we were the most unhappy. Maybe there's a connection or something. I'm not sure I I, I agree with that. So we need to talk about this, don't we? So what makes you happy? How do you grow in your happiness? There's a a key word that I want you to see this morning about how you grow in your happiness. It's an old Bible word. We don't use it much. It's the word sowing. What does it take to make you happy? It's sowing. Some of our farmers among us, they understand this. It's the idea of planting a crop. Now, here's the problem with it. You plant the crop in one season and you harvest in another season. Now, the world says to you, you can be happy because of an event or something that happened. The truth is, real happiness comes from sowing the things of God in your life. So this morning, if, if you're, you're 40 and you find yourself miserable and unhappy, my, my friends, that didn't start yesterday by what happened. It, it started decades ago. If you're retiring in, in your 60s or 70s, and you're, you're so giddy and happy, people can't believe it. It's not because of what's going on right now. It's what you started a long time ago. It's the things that you sowed into your life that have become the outcome of happiness. And the area we talk about uh, this morning is quite challenging, but there's no area where the law of sowing and reaping is any more true than in the area of money. In fact, let me say this to you. There is a connection between happiness and money. There is a connection. Now, the problem is, we assume the connection is, I'd be happy if I had what? More. Okay? When I think about the connection between happiness and money, I think, my goodness, if I just had this much money, if I just won the lottery, if I just got the the bump, you know, and and, and we say, no, no, that wouldn't bring you happiness. And and I say, give it a try, okay? Let me try it. The truth is, more won't bring you happiness. That's the next slide. The assumption is, more would bring you happiness. I, I love a song a friend shared with me this week by a country singer named Chris Jansen. It's called, Buy Me a Boat. Maybe you've heard this. Here's some of the words. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. It's a great song, isn't it? I wish I had a rich uncle that had kicked the bucket. And that I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money can't buy happiness, but it could buy me a boat and it could buy me a truck to pull it. I love love that. Some of us believe if I just got that boat, if I just got that truck, money would take the the problem all away. Because we know that's not true, not even from Scripture. We know that from experience. We've all known people that were mega wealthy and had all kinds of stuff that were miserable. We've all known people that had very little and that were extremely happy. Any of us have been to a mission trip to third world country. That's what always stays with us. My goodness, these people are so happy, and they don't have anything in our eyes. 
Or you found that out with your children, you know. You thought, I'm going to have the house where all my children and their friends come to play. And so we're going to build a nice pool in the backyard. We're going to have a jacuzzi. And we're going to have all kinds of video. We're going to have it all. So they all come to our house. And then they go to somebody's house who has none of those things. They just seem to be a whole lot more happy. And so the answer to our happiness and the connection between money and happiness is not more. Here's the connection. Jesus says the connection is not more. It's another M word. Jesus says it's manage. It's when you begin to manage your money. You say, my my friends, the source of much of our unhappiness is our mismanaging of money. You see, we said in the first lesson of this series that the key to happiness is peace. Listen to me. A lot of us are not peaceful because we've mismanaged our money, and now we're having to deal with it. And, and Jesus says to us this morning, if you don't figure out how to manage your money, here's what I'll tell you is going to happen. Your money will manage you, and it'll steal your, your joy. You say, where did Jesus say that? Well, if you've got your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 16 and verse 13, or look on the screen. Jesus puts it real plainly here. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's the final line. You cannot serve both God and money. He says there's two masters. If I were writing this, I probably would have said something different, Jesus. I'd say, master, of course, is one master could be God, and the other master would be Satan. One master would be the ways of God, the other master would be sin. But Jesus says, there's a force so powerful that I can put that across from God. He says, one master is God, and the other master is what? Money. In fact, I think the older versions, let's see, who knows, how does the King James Version translate money? Mammon, you guys are good. Let's all say it together. Mammon. Say this to me. Give me some more mammon. Give me some more mammon. It's just one of those cool old words, mammon. Now, Now, what it means is, is it means more than money, okay? It's a broader word. It means stuff. It includes your money, but a modern translation would be, you can't serve God and your stuff. And so Jesus says, you got a battle going on between these two masters. The chief competitor for your heart today may be your money, your mammon. You say, ah, oh, come on, buddy. I, I don't serve my stuff. Well, go to the next slide. Show him verse 13 again. There's two words highlighted here. It's the word love and devoted. He said you could love your stuff. In his, his definition of loving, you won't find out what you love. It's what you're devoted to. He says it, it, if you've got an attachment, a devotion to money, if you have a constant desire for more money, if it, if it dominates your thought life and your actions... It's become your master. It's dangerous. Let me ask you a couple questions. First question will be a really obvious answer. Second one, honestly, will too. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something? Answer the question. Yes, of course. 
You know, I, I, I want something, I save for it, you know. I desire this house, and I look for it, and I research it, and I want the right car. That, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But let me add one word to the question, and this is what Jesus is talking about. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something stupid? Now, don't be offended with me. There's not a comma after something and before stupid. I'm not saying, has your desire for something ever caused you to do something stupid? (laughs) You'd get on your children for that. Don't tell them the preacher told you you were stupid. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying for is that when mammon and money takes over, we all do stupid things. And you guys, we, we could sit here and we could rehearse those. I mean, you think about all the things you've bought in impulse buying. You're walking the mall, and you just see something you've got to have, and you buy it. You're watching QVC, you know, and you, you see something, and, and it just, well, you know, all you got to do is get your credit card out and, and order it. You're looking on the Internet at your favorite store, just they got some new items there. And, and, and you, you know, you, you don't do the thing that I've heard, you know, give yourself a 24-hour rule. I mean, it's on sale. It, it looks good, and I've got to get it, and then we'll regret it. I mean, you, you know, one day you let yourself just go new car shopping, you know. And you don't really need a new car, don't really afford it, but all of a sudden you saw something and you sat in it and it smelled great and it ran, and you think, i got to get this. And it seems so nice until a couple months later when the payments come due. And you got a $600 payment on a car and it's dominating your life. Or maybe like the song, you finally got that boat, and it's been parked in your backyard for four years and used twice. Or you, you got the RV that you've taken hardly any trips on. I mean, it, it took over. Or it used to be like in my generation, if you're watching TV, what was advertised all the time, that, and I bought one of these things, was a Nordic track. Anybody remember the good old Nordic tracks? <laughs> And, you know, you, you didn't use it much, but it was the greatest clothes hanger you had ever had in your life. It had so many different things sticking out, you could just throw your clothes on it and hang it. And you're thinking, why did I do that? That was, that was really stupid. Or maybe yours is, you've got a closet full of clothes. The only way to buy new clothes is to give away some of them so you can fit your clothes in there. And then you have the gall to stand in front of your closet in the morning and say... I have nothing to wear. Because it, it just, as Jesus says, it can take over our life. Jesus is so smart, so wise. He knows it can make you do stupid things. It can, it, really what Jesus is saying here is it can enslave you. What does that mean? It can control you. It can become your master. And, and none of you are going, this is crazy because you've experienced it. I have. How does it happen, okay? Let's go back to our, our, our slide here on more, okay? If you want more, here's the way it happens. You always got to have more. I'd be happy if I had this. Happy if I say this. Happy if I had this stuff. Well, it starts off with discontentment. Just discontentment. And, and guys, here, here's where marketing people are so good with us is a lot of it, all they need is to give us an awareness. It might be something you've never heard of. And you decide to go to Costco this afternoon. 
and you're just walking the aisles, and you see some gadget that's really cool. You, you didn't know about it 10 seconds ago, but it's so cool. You go, oh, man, I didn't know those things even existed. My life is empty without it. I better get it. And so you, you, it just starts with that discontentment that comes from uh, awareness. And, guys, we got a, a whole group of people in our culture that are marketing us and advertising us. Guys, listen, let, we, let's be honest. The American economy would fall apart if we ever just all bought what we needed, okay? And so we're, we're conditioned to do that. And then it gets dangerous later as it turns into greed. And, and greed is when my life and everything out there is about my consumption, it, it's all out there, not for others, not for you, not for, it, it's for me. And I got to have it. So it, what, it, what happens is this discontentment leads to greed, and greed is one of those things in the Bible that's an appetite. And anything that's an appetite can never be fully fulfilled. And so you get this one thing, it seems to make you a little happy, so you go for another, and finally there's that law of diminishing return. And you just feel empty because you, here, here's our problem. This is what makes it so hard in the day we are living is you don't have to stop buying things when you run out of money. Now, it, it, centuries ago, it was out, it was out. You just, you just couldn't do it. Today we have a master whose last name is Card. I thought that was really funny. Jeremy did. Thank you. Can, can I say that again? Y'all laugh with me. Today, you have a master whose last name is Card. You guys are so sarcastic. Because, guys, all I got, you know, oh, I don't have the money in the bank. I've not saved it, but I've got that little card, man. And it's just plastic. doesn't feel like I'm doing anything bad. And so I, I, the greed leads, and then here, finally, here's where it leads to something the Bible says really dangerous. It's debt. I, I finally just get myself in such debt that, that I, I truly, I, I'm enslaved. I mean, I, you know, I, I want to give Mission Sunday, but ooh, where did it come from? I'd like to give even this Sunday, but I have spent so much, and I'm in so much debt, and I meet this person in poverty and I want to be generous or this cause comes up I'd like to give to but the truth is I'm already so far in debt I mean you're 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 almost strangled some of us know this because you've lived that way or some of you are living that way right now not because you're a bad person just because you follow this subtle path I mean listen to what the Bible says about debt Proverbs chapter 22 in verse 7 there's a great statement by the wise man the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, I don't think he's saying that all debt is wrong or sinful. But he's given what a proverb is. It's a truism about life. And the truism is when you owe money to somebody, they have control to you, of you. You become a slave to the lender. You've got to do what they want you to do. And, and here's what I want to tell you. What, what happens is when you get in between you and a lender, I want to tell you whose side God's in, God's on. God's on the lender's side. God believes that you need to pay it back. And so don't, don't go asking him. For, this doesn't happen. So, so we end up being slaves to our debt. 
And so look at that progression, discontent, greed, debt. And can, can you tell me this? Does that look like a pathway to happiness? I mean, it, well, we, some of us know it. We're living it because it's misery. And yet at the beginning, it felt so good. So what does God want? God wants you not to always have to have more. He's not opposed to you having more. But he wants you to manage your money. And I'm going to give you just a simple outline this morning of how to manage your money. This is just a a biblical idea found through Old and New Testament of what you do with your money. What God says. Number one is you give it. God's people have always been called upon at top, at first, to give to God. Because God knows, not only does his kingdom need it, and can the church use it, and all those kind of things, that's not even primary. What God knows is you need to give it. Because money or mammon become your master. And so when you right off the top say, you know what? I'm, I'm giving to God. I, I, I'm giving to God. You know what? Money, you want to master me? I, I'm, I'm a give to God. Take that. But God... Um, you want proof that I believe you're the master, not money? I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I come to church and I worship God. Man, I am, I'm going to give it and I'm going to give it first. So you start off, guys, it's just a simple plan of management. You give. Second, you save. The Bible talks a lot about people that are wise who actually save money because money in the bank leads to peace. I mean, if you're washing machine blows out or your car has a major repair your air conditioner goes out there's peace knowing if any of those things happen and they they could you got the money for it and you got money for the future i I saw something the other day that said 50 percent of americans are saving nothing from retirement beyond social security And, and, and because Saving doesn't feel as good as purchasing. So I give, I save, and then number three is you live on the rest. It's just simple. It's a simple, powerful plan. Give, save, live. Say that with me. Give, save, live. That that is so simple and yet so counterintuitive. I mean, we're such a, we are so into instantaneous happiness. What we're talking about this series is not instantaneous. We're talking about happiness that comes from making these decisions. You know, you've put God first. You know, you've you've saved and you've lived. In fact, let's think about the things that that right side brings. What what does giving bring? It brings joy. And when you can, can change someone's life, you can make someone's day, when you can be a part of a cause bigger than you, it brings a lot of joy. Saving brings peace. We're okay. Disaster strikes, we're going to be okay. And in living in this plan, you find freedom. Yeah, you can purchase things and you can buy things, but it's not all on credit. You have learned to trust God, and it changes things. So let's sum up what we said this morning. How do you sow the seeds of happiness? Again, please listen to me. We're not talking about a quick fix. If you're listening to me today and you're going, oh, my goodness, he's getting me today. My friends, I've been there where I gave well and saved terribly. You know, I've been there where I saved, I didn't give. I've been there where I didn't do all, you know, 
So don't, don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip this morning because that's not going to change things. You can't change what you've spent on and what you've borrowed. To this. You just can't change that. But what you can change right now is your habits. And God will bless that. So, so let's sum up what we're saying. No quick fix, but start sowing these things. First of all, stop letting stuff be your master. Stop letting stuff be your master. You've lived in slavery long enough. You need to get out of the shopping malls, get off the internet, don't let yourself be tempted, and just stay away from it. And enjoy what God's given you. That's the negative part. The positive part is you need a new master. You guys listen to me. God says an awful lot in his Bible. We, we all get uncomfortable and say the preacher ought to preach on money. But if, 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 if you say that, you're not reading the Bible. Because the Bible talks about it all the time. Because God knows how tempting it is. And you need a new master. And guys, he knows more about your financial world than you do. So submit your financial world to him. Let God teach you how to manage your money. Because like we said last week, God is awesome. How many of you struggle with the word awesome this week? Man, I must say that word ten times. I'm confessing here. I must say it ten times. If you weren't here last Sunday, we made the point is the word awesome really belongs to God. Not to your pizza or your team. It belongs to God. And yet I find myself about ten times a day going, oh, that was awesome. And oh, no, it's great. But let me tell you what is awesome. God is awesome. And God is so awesome that he cares about every area of your life because he cares about you. He even cares about your money management. But he can teach you how to do that. And then the final point here is you'll have more peace and you'll be happier. What I'm teaching you today may sound sort of challenging. It is to me. But the truth is, ain't no doubt about it, from experience and Scripture, it can lead you to more peace and more happiness than you have living in the slavery to debt and the lender. So, you know, guys, when we start living with this kind of freedom, not only are we blessed with more happiness and peace, but the kingdom of God is blessed. Can you imagine what God's kingdom would do if, you know, some people take those three things, give, save, live, they split it up 10%, 10%, 80%, I don't know how you put it. But if we just got to the biblical principle of 10%, can you imagine what God's kingdom could do? Hopefully we can grow past that. Well, let's try to sum up what the Lord's been saying to us, or the question he's been asking us today. What he's asking is, who's your master? Uh, Who really has rulership, ownership over your life? There's a passage, I think, that that gets to the bottom of this. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There's a church there, the church at Macedonia, that was giving beyond even their means. And, And Paul was blown away by that. And then he gave the secret of them being so generous with their offering. He says, best of all, they went beyond our highest hope. For their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give them. Because the the key here is, is, is to first give ourselves to the Lord. Don't be confused this morning about what God really wants. See, I, I want to come to God and I want to say, God, well, well tell me how much, Lord. What, what do you really want from me? 
I mean, God, lay it out for me. What, well, what can I give you that would, would actually, actually please you? Well, let me, let me try, Lord. I'm, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm, I'm going to give you my stuff, all right? Here's the key to my car, my Corvair. And here's the key to, um, here's the key to my house. You got it. You got my stuff, okay, Lord? You, you, you pleased with that? No? That's not good enough? Well, I know you'd go to meddling. I, I tell you, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to surrender my time. That's what I, I struggle with, Lord. I, I want my time to be mine. I want to do what I want to do, and I want to do it, Lord. Does that please you? No? Okay. I knew from the message it was coming to this. You got my money. There you go. You got it. You, you got it all, Lord? Is, is, that, is, is that enough now? Is that, that what you wanted? I mean, you're meddling today. Is that what you want? That's not enough. I mean, you're not pleased? God, what do you want? Oh, you want me. (laughs) You want my heart. My friends, that's what God wants. God's not so worried about your money, your time. God, because he knows he's got that if he gets you. The bottom line today is, does he have you? Does he have your heart? If he's got that, he's got the rest. And then he's, then he'll do the coolest thing. He'll turn around, he'll say to you, he said, okay, buddy, take your car back, take your house back. Just make sure that you don't use it selfishly. Use it for people. And, and, and the time... I mean, okay, I mean, just, just start managing your time wisely for me. I mean, I'm giving you the rest of your life to be a part of my work. And actually, it's not really your money, but we'll pretend for a moment, buddy. I, it, it's, I'm going to give you my money for you to manage. And so could, could you learn, you know, to just to give and save and live? Because I, w- I want to make you happy. But I... I you're not going to be happy. And, and honestly, I'm not going to be pleased. And none of this will work until you cross the line and say, Lord, it's not just my money, my time, and my stuff. Lord, you got me. And whatever that implies, I'm willing to go your direction. So this morning, if the real conviction today is you've not surrendered your life to God, why don't you come and be baptized today and be buried with him and resurrected by his power for a brand new life? Or if you've done that and somehow you've taken back control or maybe even mammon and money has taken over your life, you're, you're living in slavery and, and you're ready to break those bonds. I tell you one of the best things you could do is show up on this front row and let this church pray for you. If you need to surrender more fully to God today, then meet.